Hi, everybody. I am Peter Travers, and this is Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And there's a movie now called Marshall. You may think it's a lot, but it really stands for Thurgood Marshall. And Chadwick Boseman plays him, but my guest today, Josh Gad, plays a lawyer named Sam Friedman who was instrumental in a case that Thurgood Marshall actually took charge of. I think it was 1941, but why am I talking? You're here. You're I'm here. the expert, Josh Gad. I'm here to answer all of your questions, Peter. Wow. <laughs> my first really question is, I start? is this edible? It's edible. Great. It was freshly made. I have not eaten breakfast. This so is, then it's the this. perfect breakfast. There's no it's butter delicious. on it. It's delicious. or otherwise. Sands butter. It's great. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> so, Josh, you, yeah. who recently, you're Olaf for Disney, you're LeFou for Disney in uh, Beauty and the Beast, and now you're playing this lawyer involved in a rape case. Right. How did that come about? Um, I was out to lunch one day, and... Um, mentally or mentally, just basically, right? I was sitting talking to myself <laughs> no. in front of a cafe. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, was, uh, I was walking out of, um, of a restaurant, and Paula Wagner, a great producer... Uh, who I've known for some time, stops me and she says, oh my God, great to see you. What are you doing right now? And I was just coming off of uh, Beauty and the Beast, I think. And I said, I'm actually looking for my next thing and, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to switch things up. I, I feel like, you know, I've had a great time doing comedies and, and fairy tale movies. Um, but I want to sort of change things up a little. And she goes, I may actually have a great script for you. And you hear that a lot and you're always holding your breath, but I got the script and halfway through, I called my team and I said, I, I must do this film. It's so important. It's so timely. Um, it's so essential. And this was a year plus ago. Uh, so so we it, didn't have the current president. Well, it, it was a different time. Mm -hmm. We shot this movie in a different time. But even then, it felt like this was a very important film that I needed to be a part of. Um, because at its very core, it's a movie about alliances. The alliance between an African-American man who would go on to become one of the great Supreme Court justices of all time in Thurgood Marshall and a young Jewish attorney who at that time is practicing small claims court law and is thrust into public spotlight very much with uh, the risk, the threat of hatred and bigotry hanging over his head uh, as it does for Marshall. And these two men defy all of this adversity to help another man in need because the alternative is he's going to face a death penalty. And that, to me, was, like I said, very timely, very important, very essential. Well, you know, what we're seeing in this movie, you know, based on this, this is the young Thurgood Marshall. You know, he's not no. the, the first African-American right. Supreme Court justice. He's, start, he's working for the NAACP. The only lawyer for the NAACP. The, yeah, it was shocking. Yeah, it the is things shocking. that you learn about this because we all know who Thurgood Marshall is, but we think he was sort of born and then went to the Supreme Court bench. Well, that, that's and that just was it. it. No, you're you're right. Wasn't. And I think what what I find so fascinating about the movie, and, and when I read it, it immediately became clear to me that this is a superhero origin story in many ways. Meaning, instead of wearing a cape. Uh, he wears a suit and tie. <laughs> Instead of knocking somebody out with uh, a single punch, he knocks them out one at a time with a single brief. That, to me, is so important right now because 
we need those people who are willing to roll up their sleeves and fight those causes, as hard as it is. And even if you ask legal scholars, I, I knew about Thurgood Marshall in the capacity that he was a Supreme Court justice or his work with Brown versus Board of Education. Yeah. But I don't think anybody knows about this case in particular. And that's what makes it so exciting as a film. Mm-hmm. Because the, the element of surprise is such that the audience is hopefully always on the edge of their seat. And for me, to understand how this man becomes great is as important as understanding the great man himself. The subject that's happening here, that did happen, is a chauffeur played by Sterling K. Brown, Mm -hmm. you know, is accused of raping the white woman he works for, Kate Hudson playing. And there are times in the beginning where even Thurgood Marshall is saying, the NAACP wants me to defend innocent people. So this black man basically has to defend his own innocence to everybody. And so that conflict and how people make stereotypical judgments is all over this movie. It is. The topicality is amazing given what the world is we live in now. Uh, yeah, and, and, and speaking to that, um, we made this movie when there was an African-American still in office. Mm-hmm. We made this movie, uh, and the topic of discourse at the time uh, on set was, were issues like Ferguson. To release this movie in a, in a post-2016 um, election world, to release this movie um, relatively close uh, after the events of Charlottesville, uh, to release this movie as the, the sports world is sort of dealing with their own version of, of these issues regarding race, it, it, it really does give it a... It gives it another context that I don't think any of us could have anticipated. Mm-hmm. And... and uh, that that is happenstantial, but it, it, it's important nevertheless. And and screening the movie now uh, on a number of occasions for people, it's incredible not only to see their responses because it, it really is, uh, it's an entertaining film. It's a crowd pleaser, but at the same time, people leave the room and can't help but discuss it as it relates to the context of what we're living through right now. And that to me is a, is something that makes what we do so important and and so wonderful. Well, it does. I'm sure. Has Trump invited you to screen the film yet at Camp David? Uh, he hasn't returned any of my calls. <laughs> it's uh, just wrong. I keep, I keep calling him and asking him. Uh, no, I w- you know what, though? I, w- I would love for him to see this movie. I think, it, I think it would be... I think it would be... I would love for everybody to see this film, um, whether it's in D.C. or whether it's in... Connecticut or whether it's in Alabama, I think everybody can learn something. Uh, we are having this conversation every day, uh, and and I think that this movie can absolutely um, help with guiding where the conversation goes next. Well, maybe not some of your younger uh, Olaf fans from Frozen. <laughs> Yes. They may want there, to there's go. There's a Frozen short coming out for you. <laughs> so it's I'm, a short, but it's like, what, 20 minutes long? 22 minutes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I remember John Lasseter saying, um, so we've got, because uh, originally it was supposed to be for television. And he said, you know, we're so blown away by it. 
we think we want to attach it to uh, Coco. And I was like, but isn't it 22 minutes? Isn't that? And he's like, yeah, it's unprecedented, but we really feel like it thematically connects with that movie. And so they're, they're making that play, and I, I couldn't be prouder. Yeah, like a family audience is going to say, I can't be bothered with this Frozen <laughs> short. It's, it's it, only, it's, no, come on, no, it, it But it still is. What is Frozen, the most successful yeah. Of all these animated movies, yeah. it's just gigantic. It's crazy, yeah. Every kid I know has it memorized. I know. It, it's, Every it's, kid you must know has it memorized. Look, I'm a father of two little girls. I live... Well, you must be sleeping. king in your household. No, they, they oh, sort of, they sort of uh, at this point, wish that um, Justin Timberlake's troll character was their father. I'm, I'm yesterday's news for them. It's just so wrong. You've already done Olaf, and now you're doing no, it again. No, it just doesn't yeah. mean anything nope, like that. It's, they, they don't care anymore. They're over it. Did you have any idea when you signed on to do Olaf that it would become this phenomenon? No, quite the opposite. I was actually doing a film for DreamWorks at the time um, called Me and My Shadow. And at first, I wasn't going to be able to do Frozen because uh, the great Jeffrey Katzenberg, uh, rightfully so, saw that the movies were going to come out at the same time. Mm -hmm. And he said, I I can't have you promoting this while you're doing my film. And I said, please, please, please understand. And this was right after Book of Mormon. I said, understand that this movie, this music is being written by my very close friend, Bobby Lopez. Mm -hmm. I I really need to do this as a favor. What can we do to make this work? And he said, okay, I'll tell you what. If you don't promote the movie and they don't use your name in marketing, I'll let you do it, knowing full well that Disney would never agree to that. (laughs) Lasseter, God bless John Lasseter, calls that bluff, brings it to the Disney lawyers and says, great, we won't use him for marketing, we won't use him for press, and it'll be a, a part of how we market the film. Guess who played Olaf? That kind of thing. And they went for it. Me and my shadow disappeared. Uh, <laughs> they wound up scrapping the film. Frozen becomes what it is. And it just changed my life. I mean, it was like one of those things that I never could have anticipated. But it was very much accidental. When you're working, it's an interesting question about an animated movie. I ask people when they're doing a voice, because it's more than a voice. Your voice has to almost take on physical form yeah. as to what it is that you're playing. When, you're deci- when you know that you're going to play Olaf, how can you contribute to who that character is? What they presented to me was uh, a rough sketch of what the character looked like. And a rough idea and some key adjectives that allowed me to tap into that being. And immediately this word of innocence, childlike wonderment, Mm -hmm. was presented to me. And I was sort of able to tap into this naivete uh, that I love playing. That's a very part of sort of what I do uh, uh, in, in a lot of my comedy. And so from the very first recording, the, I think the very first line that I ever had to do was the introduction. Hi, I'm Olaf, and I like warm hugs. And it just was a certain warmth that felt right and felt like there's no judgment, there's no cynicism. Mm-hmm. Imagine a character with no cynicism. It's it, hard these days. It's hard these <laughs> days. You know, I mean, think about what we do. Think about the, the nature of what we deem as um, critically successful now or commercially successful now. These are dark movies. They're, they're movies that sort of don't have a, a lightness to them or sometimes even a sense of hope. There are the exceptions. 
But even movies like La La Land, which I loved and adored, it's not a happy ending. It's a bittersweet ending. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> I wanted something that was just purity, that there's, that there's no denying the pure innocence of. And I think that's why it was so refreshing to audiences, because they don't see much of it anymore. You go back just a little to you growing up in Hollywood, Florida, and you saying to your parents, this is what I want to do. Or did that ever happen? Oh, was it, there that moment? It happened. It happened. And, and not only did it happen, my, my mom, uh, my mom was a single mother. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was six. Um, my mom used my passion for the arts um, as a disciplinary uh, action. Meaning I started, I was flunking in seventh grade. I was, I was doing horribly. I, I was never a great academic student. And she threatened to take me out of the children's theater, uh, the Hollywood Playhouse for the Performing Arts that I was a member of, and, and put How me in this, I know, and put me in this awful uh, nearby uh, school that everybody who went to was like, you had to go through metal detectors, and it was terrible. And it completely turned me around. I immediately went from all regular classes to AP and honor classes. Mm-hmm. I started getting A's on everything. And she was incredible. Cut to, I'm 23 years old, I'm, or 24, I'm out of college, um, and I'm struggling. Uh, three years out of school, I'm not really getting any jobs. Uh, and I decide I'm going to go to law school. And I'm thinking my Jewish mother's going to be so proud of me. Both my brothers went to law school. Here I go. And I call her to tell her the good news, and she starts crying. And I say, why are you crying? And she says, I'm disappointed in you. And I said, why are you disappointed? And she said, because you've spent 15-plus years dreaming of becoming an actor and only three years allowing yourself to live out that dream, and I think that that's cowardly. And I immediately hung up the phone and thought about what she said. Uh, and about a week later... I allowed myself to go in for this audition for a show called the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, mm-hmm. and I booked the job, and it changed my life. And without that sort of reassurance, and a lot of times you hear the story of my parents told me not to pursue uh, <laughs> acting, she, she, I, I really wouldn't be where I am today without her, without that guy. She came right back at you. She did. And even when you were in Beauty and the Beast, you had to defend the fact that your character LeFou was gay for about... 20 seconds, but he, he seems to be for that time. And you become the spokesperson for what was the reasoning you gave when some people in this country were upset that a Disney film had a, a gay character? In it? Well, you know what? I, I thought that the moment spoke for itself. And the moment wasn't trying to be any more than it was. And, and, and my philosophy is, is if you really um, can allow yourself to just go into this movie without any Um, preconceived notions and allow yourself to just watch the movie that we've made uh, without sort of the political discourse around it, Mm -hmm. I think that you'll be able to see that it's a lot of hoopla over nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. And the most heartening experience during that whole process was as the movie started screening, people all over the country stood up for those, not 20 seconds, Mm -hmm. six seconds. Six seconds. Mm-hmm. For those six seconds and applauding it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that kind of solidarity and that sort of, are we really going to judge this six second moment of two men dancing with each other mm-hmm. in that manner? 
um, I, it was it was a tough period because you're defending something that in 2016 uh, or 2017 you you hope wouldn't have to be defended, but it does. Uh, and then to see the best of humanity come out and say, "This is crazy," mm-hmm. was really a great feeling. Well, art can do that when I, it's uh, you know when absolutely. it's working. It has a pulse, and the pulse is timeless. You yeah. know that it just has that to do it. Plus, your mom was great to reconvince you then to get back into this crazy business. I love you, mom. There it is. You needed to say that. Peter Travers is, is just told me to tell you I love you, and, and, and I did. you listen to Peter Travers when he says, "Tell your mama you love her." You do listen, yeah, because it's important. It's important. Anyway, this when we end this show, and this is the first time you've been on, so you don't know. It always ends in song. Of course. of course it does. I have a feeling I'm being lied to, but that's no, okay. No, no, come on, people, right? Is that it a always thing? ends in song, no that's matter who it is. What is in you? Uh, what, what would you like? This is your call. No, I, it really isn't, because it would, it, it's, it's you. What is singing in your head now? What right is now? It? Right now. It's, it's, it's strange what's singing in my head right now. It's, it's really weird, but it's a song from the Karate Kid. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's... You're the best around. Nothing gonna ever keep you down. <laughs> I don't know why that song is in my head. But it is. I think I may have watched that movie late last night, and for some reason, I can't, well, <laughs> I can't get. I wish it were a song that was like, yeah, that, Josh, man. What a great way to go out. What, what a great go way out. to empower people. But instead, it's a 1982 <laughs> anthem ripoff of a Rocky song. <laughs> but it could be for your mom. You're the best be. around. Mom, you're the best around. And nothing's going to ever keep you down. <laughs> Don't forget it, Mom. I'm sure that she's really happy about that. Josh, thank you so, so much. So good to see you. <laughs> really thank you, Peter. <laughs>